This is the LAW Podcast Series with Peter Gowers, the podcast to connect LAW members and have some fun talking about their personal and professional lives. Hello and welcome to another episode of the LAW Podcast Series. I'm Peter Gowers. In this episode, we head to New Delhi in India and we're going to be speaking to the Principal Associate for Corporate at King, Stubb and Kasiva Advocates and Attorneys, Miss Sanduja Kashyap. I hope I got that pronunciation right, Sanduja. Bang on, Peter. That was, that was exactly the kind of pronunciation we have in India. Almost perfect Hindi, was it? Almost perfect Hindi. Uh, well, hello and welcome. It's uh, great to talk to you and I'm, uh, I'm excited to get your story. You're the uh, first participant from... Uh, the Asia-Pacific region of LAW to come onto the podcast. I'm sure the members of the Asia-Pacific region will be excited that I'm, I'm leading with a baton on my, in my hand. It does seem exciting and I'm, I, am, I feel it. I hope I make them proud. I have no doubt you will. Now, I have a layperson's question here. Um, I do ask these questions from time to time as I'm not legally trained myself um, advocates and attorneys. I'm familiar with attorneys, but can you explain to me what advocates are, please? Advocates and attorneys. So this this is my version of definition, and I'm sure people have their own version of definition. I feel advocates and attorneys are evergreen professionals who are there with you and available for you, whether you're happy or you're sad. So if you're getting married, you're happy, we are there. If, you get, if you're sad, you're getting divorced, we're still there. If you're happy, you're incorporating a company, you need us. If you are sad, you're finding up, you need us. So I think that's, that's us. <laughs> I love it. I love that description because um, I guess it's as, it's as complicated and as simple as that, isn't it? You're either happy or sad about something and need some assistance in one way. <laughs> yes. And is advocates um, specific to India or is that a term used throughout legal circles in other parts of the world? It's, it's used throughout the circles, yes. All parts. Okay. okay. All right. So as I said at the start, um, you are in downtown New Delhi today and uh, that, that's where you're based. Where, where are you from originally? I'm from a very small city called Darbhanga in Bihar. Okay. Bihar is one of the states in India. And uh, I have traveled quite a lot and I, I'm technically a nomad for my own country. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's very, very common in India. You, you are always moving out of your hometown in search of better job opportunities or better education. So I am here now in Delhi and I am looking forward to whatever state goes up next. So that, that is a really interesting point, and uh, I'm talking to you today from Melbourne in Australia, and it's also uh, pretty common in this part of the world that, you know, you can be born and grow up in a certain area, but you may then move away for uh, education purposes, whether that's school education or university, uh, and then obviously job opportunities. So could you tell us a bit about your journey from you know, where you originally came from, school, and then through university, and, and obviously you've ended up in Delhi? Sure. So uh, I, had, I had my high school till in my own hometown. We were, we were traveling in the state itself. We were not originally in the same city throughout my entire life. We were traveling because, my, because of my dad's uh, you know, government job that he was employed in. And after that, I left for Bangalore which is in Karnataka, to pursue my law and as a career and uh, as an education at that time. And I studied in a college called Christ University, deemed to be university. So I, I, I did my law from there. And as soon as I passed out, I got my job in Kingston and Kasewa. And I have been in Kingston and Kasewa for almost five plus years now. And 
been placed in Delhi since then. So it's been five years of Bangalore and five years of Delhi. That's how it's placed. Well, so five years to uh, complete your legal studies. Yes, in India, right. it's five years to complete your legal studies. And and then once you've completed that and you get a, a position with a firm, is there still um, sort of a partial education process that takes place once you you know starting as a a fully green lawyer? So uh, I think when once you step in a law firm, you realize everything in book is so much different at you know on ground reality. So I think yes. I think what you read or what you get a degree of is only 50%. 50% and the actual education starts when you when you step in the law firm, when you step in the practical grounds. Yeah. And you mentioned um, that your father uh, worked in a government job. Um, are you able to say what type of work that was? Do it have any relevance to what you've got on to do? So I can tell you that I am a first-generation lawyer. I have no connections, no lawyers in my family no matter how long you look back to, yeah. my, to my forefathers. My father is uh, a senior auditor in the finance department of, for the government. And uh, so he handled finance. He was an auditor and law was completely new to my complete family. They, I, I doubt if they still know what I exactly do. They only know <laughs> that I'm a lawyer. <laughs> That's quite common, isn't it? Um I've spoken to a number of uh, lawyers at LAW over the journey, and it's amazing how often you know family or friends know that they're a lawyer, but they don't really know what they do. And <laughs> I guess there's parts to law as well that um, uh, the common person doesn't realise is an actual thing, you know, within within the, the the legal fraternity. That's true. I think I think, and especially I think in India, it's. It's very common because uh, you know education is of prime importance in India. It's it's become uh, a very a very important part of all our lives, and uh, it's about getting a degree, doing a job, getting a you know getting a professional degree, or a, or get being an engineer, being a doctor. So it's it's very much you know uh, instilled in us that this is something you have to do when you grow up. So I think our jobs are envisioned by our parents right at the time of our birth, or probably mm. in the first few years you look at your kid and you already know oh he's going to be a doctor or he's going to be an engineer so i think that that's very common in india yeah look i i um i lived in dubai for four and a half years so it was really interesting to me to get to know a lot of people from the subcontinent and of course many being from india and something that i really learned to appreciate is the the aspiration for uh, the children of Indian parents and and those, as I say, from other countries in the subcontinent, to really further themselves through education. And um, uh, you know, as a parent now myself, um, it's it's interesting. You sort of you look at your kids and you think, well, I hope they can you know go on to to do something greater and and I suppose more successful than than you've done yourself. Right. Right. So um, you you mentioned where you grew up before, and now of course you're in Delhi. Can you um, tell me some of the differences between the area where you grew up and uh, and now being in a you know what's a thriving metropolis of a city? Um, where I'm currently in is the capital of the country. It's tier one green layer of the country. Where I grew up in is a very tier three city it's you know people uh, i think it also has to do with people are very very close knit in your three cities because uh, it's a small city most of the kids are going together to the school everyone almost knows every other person while in in a city like delhi it's it's more developed and with develop uh, with development with uh, you know with a lot of uh, infrastructure a lot of facilities that you have available here are not available in your three cities and uh, also i think people are more uh, more nuclear in this case uh, you know uh, in tier one cities that i see and uh, everyone's minding their own business while in tier three cities everyone's into everyone's business yeah. it could be for good or for bad but yeah it's i think it's a big happy family in those cities while here it's more of on your own kind of setup 
Yeah, it's it it is interesting, isn't it? The the difference between um, you know what I would refer to as uh, metropolitan areas versus regional areas, and um, yeah, the different involvement that people have in those cities. I I always find it interesting that um, uh, you know when you hear about people from New York or people who've been to New York, uh, you know everybody talks about the the style if you like, of, uh, of New Yorkers and, you know, how they right. treat each other. Um, you know, I, I think they're probably at the top of the tree in terms of their brashness and their, you know, ability to say exactly what's on their minds. But you can see the difference between the metropolitan cities and the rush of people to get here, there and everywhere. Definitely. And you know how, how they always say about metropolitan city, the city never sleeps. Yes, it's, it's always running, and uh, you know, for regional cities, everyone's back home by nine nine thirty in India, and everyone's having dinner together. There, there are meals done together. There are conversations post meal. I think that that is definitely something that you would see mostly in the regional states, and also, you know, in terms of in terms of the options or the choices that you have, in you know, with res- with respect to your career. Back when I was about to choose law as my career i am not sure of many knew about law being a you know being a very common accepted career i think back then it was mostly doctors medicals or engineering as as a commonly accepted career because it was flourishing it was always in news you know uh, you could you would know or someone or the other who was doing good in that area law wasn't as as common a career back then so I think it also has to do with a lot of choice that you you realize when you're in a you know in a metropolitan city you realize the exposure the options the knowledge of it is so much broad so much vast than compared to regional places. Very true, and that and that beautifully leads me to what was going to be my next question, and you alluded to this somewhat before, um, saying that parents may have had, uh, you know, a tad of influence in this area. But what inspired you to pursue law as a career? I think I've, I've always uh, been very, very enthusiastic about, uh, you know, mooting on, on right topics or discussing, having logic, reasoning about it. To see or, you know, to be able to talk about rights and wrongs and and not not those that are that are political non-ending discussions if i may say yes. <laughs> because that that's that's very different but but you know in general about about discussions that you have on day to day life and also i think what inspired me was there was no no law person in my family and i i knew people who had done engineering or who had done medical i i was seeing their life and i knew these weren't of my interest for sure so it was also the elimination you know uh tactics that you eliminate a certain uh job structure and be like oh i do not want to do this i do not want to do this so you know then you start exploring what interests you more i think that's how that's how i came down to being a lawyer would uh, parents and family say to me, well, St. Jude has always been very good at arguing? They would definitely. They still do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's amazing how often um, you know, you'll, you'll talk to a lawyer and, and uh, they'll say that. And, you know, in not as many words, that's exactly what you said. You can see both sides. Did you do debating at university or school? I did. I did. Uh, I was. I was. I would want to expect this as well from my school, but I was one of the best debaters they had at right. my time. So yeah. I was. I was very good at debating in high school. I did a little bit of mooting, etc. At my university as well, and uh, yeah, I'm. I'm still. I'm still into negotiations. I'm still yeah. working my ways around. So I hope yeah. that's working out. So you're able to really look at any topic and see, you know, in the case of debating, obviously it's for and against, but you can see multiple angles to to, to most conversations. So, you know, the beauty of being a lawyer is, and I think that's that's something that you're taught you while you're doing mood competitions, etc. 
during at university level is when you when you're given a topic you have to be very quick to see what you think what's your first thought to it and then also in your own mind be able to uh, you know counter it with counter thoughts so yeah you if as a lawyer you're the, that quick with thoughts you have to be on both sides you have to find out multiple you know arguments from both angles because you're not sure who you're going to, going to go against and that's life for lawyers we may sometimes be dealing with you know a company that's acquiring a business but the other time they're also representing a target company that's being acquired by a by a investing company so you have to really be quick on you know which side if you were given a side what's what's your argument going to look like yeah i mentioned before that i lived in dubai for a while and one thing that i really learned quite quickly there and i really learned to get an appreciation for and probably a skill that that i didn't have prior to that is that the arabs and the asians seem just in day-to-day life it's not necessarily has to be even in business but they seem to be able to quite easily see both sides of an argument which i feel in the west is is not always a skill that that a lot of westerners have i am i'm really happy to hear that and i hope uh, that you know as as asians we also acknowledge this because i think this acknowledgement is not as easy uh we we usually tend to think it's either right or wrong mm. and you know most of the times life tells you it's green neither right nor there's no black and white correct and i i think um having children has certainly taught me that fact <laughs> that you know one child says oh dad so and so did this and you say to the other child did you do that no but they did this and you realize there's usually three sides to every argument pretty much <laughs> even if there's only two parties involved <laughs> two so um sanjuja which areas of law do you spend most of your time practicing so i deal mostly with corporate transaction general corporate advisories and labor and employment in india so uh, mergers and acquisition kind of transactions investments uh i deal with general corporate company incorporations and their post incorporation compliances their day to day management if there are the you know legal advisors required i i tend to that and also uh, labor and employment so i am uh, part of a lot of external uh, you know uh, prevention of sexual harassment committees in india yes so i i uh, take part as an external member there who comes with an expertise to the table and uh, you know uh, resolves the complete dispute of sexual harassment in companies uh, you know from from an angle of an export so i i take care of all of that also general labor and employment you know how domestic inquiries are conducted or how uh, you know terminations contracts between neighbors uh, employment agreements waivers etc all of that do you have one area that you spend more time working on than the others corporate advisory corporate transaction is one of the major time taking process because yeah. it is a time taking process it's it's not like an advisory where you can you know uh, analyze the facts put down your advice in, in 3 days or 4 days time uh, transactions are usually long going 3 months for one so it's it's a time taking process where you negotiate the agreements are settled all of that right so by definition <coughs> it takes up more time because those um uh transactions are, are more protracted than the other style that you do. All right. Right. I'm interested in um I would define it as mediation work and forgive me if that's incorrect but the the work that you're doing uh with things such as sexual harassment I imagine um that that would be relatively new in, in India and uh a, a, you know a large emerging uh type of area of of law to work in so not exactly uh, so prevention of sexual harassment uh, you know law came up something sometimes in the year 2013 so yep. the law has been there since 2013 and uh, the law mandates that every company should have uh, a committee set up you know committee comprising of its own high level members and one external member who brings in the expertise of having worked in the field of 
you know, sexual harassment uh, as an expert. So I, I go in there as an expert member and I'm part of a lot of companies as an external member. So what we do in mostly is, you know, if there's a sexual harassment complaint in a company, it's it's brought to our notice and it's only the committee that's that's permitted under law to resolve those that dispute right and it's it's not something that an hr can take up you know of a company and hr can resolve amongst themselves it's not there's a there's a set process of how it's done by law there's a, a relief set that's that can or cannot be given to the complainant and a lot of times we've also helped the complainant go and you know file a proper case before the court if they intend to go with such rigorous methods so we've done all of that for the employees and i imagine it it probably um also would help you know in the case of a of a business who's dealing with this i imagine it would help them also moving forward to prevent these things from happening in the future definitely we apart from you know doing doing a prevent uh, you know redressing it we also do a preventive measure so you know there's there are a lot of training and workshops that we conduct for the employees telling them what actions they should or should not do or is acceptable and not acceptable in a workplace and i think that's where it all starts if if your employees are not aware of you know a simple whistling or a or a or a lewd comment is wrong then it becomes a case and comes to us a sexual harassment case we would want to stop it right there nip it in the bud is what we call it yeah. you know do not let it let let it feel or be thought of that it's okay in in a company and that's where the training and workshops are are very very helpful yeah i bet and with um your area of practice um you know we mentioned earlier that obviously you you um you leave university and you you started working for your current firm from university your area of practice is this by choice or by default that you ended up in this area so very frankly i have i don't think i've told my employers about this as well <laughs> i can beat so this bit out if you like <laughs> <laughs> i i really want this podcast to be interesting so i would let my employers be surprised by this podcast as no well. problems but uh, yeah i think uh, I always wanted to be a criminal lawyer. Right. Because the the crime, the psychology behind crime, the investigation, all of this was very very thrilling to me. But uh I don't think that idea settled really well with my parents because right. it's it's too much of a risk especially for a you know for a female in a country like India. So that thought process was debated well and then i realized it was i would go for my second choice which was dealing with corporate transactions and i'm i'm actually not regretting it because uh you know when you're outside you think how else can you help a company but by litigation but a lot of things you realize you know a corporate lawyer ends up doing which is which is so much important you know if you if you draft an agreement right the chances of that going into a dispute becomes so much you know is negligent unless the parties are really really adamant that they intend to get it to uh, litigation so i think as a corporate lawyer i've realized a lot of things that goes inside the company that that are core management you know or running of business related decisions which as lawyers we will play so much you know uh, such a big role to so i think that that has made it even more interesting for me now yeah and i imagine um while you know you work in certain areas of the business um i imagine that uh, a number of the things that you or your firm do as an extension would would run into multiple other areas as well right so uh, i think uh, by by introduction kickstarter and kasiga is a boutique law firm so it's we we intend to provide all our clients a one stop solution so we do dispute, dispute resolution so we do transaction advisory corporate related work we do trademark ipr related work we do uh, you know uh, legal metrology related work we do um, banking real estate work so we do everything that a company no matter what business they are in would need assistance or legal help in 
and we tender to their help. We customize it to their business, to the market, to to the management expectations, and we service them that way. So I think we, which is why I think you know we we end up becoming we have we have grown so much in in the past few years is because even the companies corporations would want one form to cater to all of their needs it's it's like you know going to going to modern bazaar or big bazaar getting everything you need in one go a grocery store getting your you know getting everything and you can come out and you're satisfied that everything on your list is complete so we tend to create that for our for our clients the one stop shop of the legal fraternity yes yeah well i guess it makes sense because um you know in in the 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 real estate business which is what i work in um mm -hmm. you know you you sort of end up becoming this trusted advisor and you know while you might be uh, selling or buying on behalf of your client um, there's a lot more to it, you know. They, they're going to need a lawyer to do the transaction. Uh, they might need someone to come and do inspections of that property to make sure that it's been built properly. And um, you know, they they sort of lean on you. So it would be much the same within uh, within your industry as well. Right, exactly that. All right. Well, look, you you've passed the um, to this part of the podcast. Well done. I'll give you ten <laughs> out of ten. Now um, that's the that's the legal bit. We'll just put that on park for a minute. And uh, what do you like to do out of uh, working as a lawyer? What are your hobbies, and you know, what do you do for fun? I am a very, very enthusiastic, very fun-loving person. So I, I, and I, I can tell you that the Asian members of the LAW can vouch for it too, because. They all were a witness to to my energy level when when we last met. And during the during when I'm not working, I love reading. I love reading a lot, and I love music and dance. Mm. So that's where mostly where I'm bound up with if I'm not working. So what's your um? Reading material of choice: fiction, non-fiction, fiction, mostly thriller. Oh wow! Okay. Do you have a current book underway? I'm I'm reading uh, a book. It's not exactly a fiction. It's a mythology mythological book. It's called uh, "The Forest of Enchantment," and uh, it's based out of uh, Ramayana, which is a mythological book in India, and it's a version of Goddess Sita. Of Ramayana, so Ramayana as a book is a version from God Ram's perspective, yep. and this book was brought in as a version of Ramayana from his wife, Goddess Sita's perspective. Wow! So, so I'm reading that book. Yeah, very. Uh, it's a unique perspective, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So, um, this is a very modern day question, but uh, do you? <laughs> Do you prefer the old school paper book, flip the pages, or are you a modern day electronic version, uh, Kindle style reader? Oh God, the younger generation are not going to like me, but I prefer books. I would like to flip the pages when I'm done with it. I love the smell of new books when you have it in hand. You know, I think it. I think that that physical. Presence of a book in my hand when I touch, I can touch it, I can feel it, I can sense it is way beyond Kindles. I'm sorry, Amazon, but yeah. <laughs> not my. Uh, I think you'll have many people on your side in that regard. <laughs> have you have you entered the world of audio books yet? I did try it, but as I said, I am I have a lot of energy. <laughs> I am not <laughs> able to put in that focus. For that long in an audiobook, I'm, I'm very easily distracted. That way. So, because, you know, I think, I think I feed by my eyes. So if I see something interesting, I'm just that distracted, which is why reading book is so much more comfortable because my eyes are on the book, <laughs> but audiobooks, not yet. Gotcha. Makes sense. So you mentioned dancing. Now, uh, again, um, you know, my level of appreciation for 
you know, Indian culture and the diversity of it uh, came <laughs> from spending time overseas. And um, so what style of dancing are you into? And, uh, you know, what what sort of music is, is your uh, preference or music of choice to listen to? So I'm a freestyle Bollywood dancer. I would love to move when there's a music. I I've not I've not learned dancing per se. I have multiple accords, you know, multiple recognitions. When I was a child, I was dancing at various platforms. I have, uh, you know, uh, multiple awards there, but I've not learned dancing per se. And uh, in terms of music, it it's I have a playlist on my mood. So if I'm reading, I have a quick playlist. If I am not, if I'm worked up, if I'm stressed, I have a mood. If I'm working, I have a, uh, you know, I have a playlist. So I think it's, I don't have a specific genre that, you know, I'm, I'm only going to listen to Sufi music or I'm only going to listen to acoustics. I, I don't have that. I, it, it all is a mood dependent music for me. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's the beauty of this day and age. And we talked about Kindles before, but you know, thanks to Spotify and obviously YouTube and you know, these, these platforms, there's really no limit to what you can listen to these days. And um, yeah, I think it's great that, as you say, you you can pick a playlist that's mood specific. And as you would well know, um, if you start doing that, the different platforms learn what you like, and they start throwing up suggestions, which I think is brilliant <laughs> as well. True that, yes. It's uh, it's got me through many a swimming lesson uh, with the children when um, uh, you know I flick on a song and then YouTube will give me a whole play- playlist to listen to while I'm, while I'm watching or you know at sport or something. I, I've discovered a lot of music through such recommendations. So while I'm thankful to it, it also is a little creepy that someone's taking a look at what you're listening to and well, keeping an eye on it. I completely agree. And um, if you haven't watched it, and uh, if anyone listening hasn't watched it, I would highly recommend that you watch the Netflix show, The Social Dilemma. Yes. And you will see exactly why you're getting those suggestions. Um, right. I, I don't think it's quite as um, creative as the show makes out that there's actually people physically sitting in a room throwing these suggestions at you, but... You know, thanks to AI technology um, and the algorithms that are being put together, um, gee, it's it's amazing. Look, it's not always perfect, but it's amazing how often you think, oh, wow, that song's perfect for what I was listening to and I hadn't even thought of it yet. Right, right. I, I've seen social demos. So even I'm, I'm going to second Peter on this. Whoever's listening, if you've not seen it, please do see it. It's it's interesting. It's a perspective you get on why you're being suggested something that you've suggested suddenly. It's true. And um, the other side of it is that um, you, you may be aware, maybe not, but one of my other um, sort of areas that I, I dabble in is in uh, digital marketing. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff that they talk about in relation to just your browser that you choose to use. Um you know, it, it's amazing how intricate it is and, and how it's all linked together. While Google and Facebook may be uh, not necessarily best friends, um, they're happy to share some data. And uh, as a result, you and I and everybody uh, gets targeted accordingly. I agree. Uh, uh, you would understand it better because of the digital marketing background that you have. But as as a consumer, it was... It was a great show to watch because you you suddenly are you know you you'll realize I I would leave people to see it and judge on it on their own. so yeah you'll realize yeah. why this is such a talked about show right now. Correct, and so many people say, "Why is this happening when I'm searching for this, or when I'm in Facebook, or when I'm in whatever? Why am I constantly getting this, this, and this thrown up?" Once you see that, you'll understand exactly why. <laughs> True. And also, it's it's a lot of times it's also embarrassing when you're sharing a screen with someone and multiple ads shows up on your screen. You may not like it. I completely agree. Um, yes. If, if you've been shopping for a family member, for example, <laughs> and, uh, you know, all these things show up that may or may not be of your interest level or, yeah, I completely agree. Anyway, um, 
Look, the other thing that I think is worth talking about is um, obviously with uh, with COVID since 2020, uh, the LAW model um, has had right. to adapt as as it has for everyone. Um, but there was that period of time there where there weren't conferences in person and uh, there was an AGM that was done online, which was a very big success and amazingly well put together by Laurie and her team. Um, but of course now conferences are opening up again and travel's opening up again and I'd be interested to know, you know, if there was anybody um, in the LAW community, whether it's, you know, one of the Indian firms or whether it's overseas or what have you, could be a firm, could just be a person, but is there anybody that that you could um, sort of give a shout out to who's helped you professionally or personally in, in any way and maybe describe a little bit about what, what they've done to assist? Um. I've not, I've not, uh, you know, I'm very, I'm very new to LAWS per se, but uh, so there's not been a lot of assistance that I may have received, but it's also to do with, you know, uh, how, how the person influences you irrespective of, uh, you know, whether they directly intervene in your life by, by any means. So I think I have, I do have few memes because I, I was, lucky to visit the uh you know LAW members conference in Singapore where I met so many so many you know Asian friends uh working in the same profession so I think one was Lawrence Tan he he's uh you know he's from a firm firm in Singapore and he was hosting this conference uh for LAW and uh, the the most the most important thing that I found about him was at his age, he was so energetic. He was ready to learn. He was, uh, you know, talking to everyone, understanding about what they do, where they're from. You know, uh, being there, he he was not he was not in the uh, you know uh, he was not at the youngest of age where he could, you know, walk around twenty four seven with everyone, all of us being there. But he made sure he was talking to everyone. So he. I remember we were sitting, he realized I love food. We were just having a conversation and he realized I love food. He made sure till the day we left, he made sure that I had two deserts on my table. <laughs> so I, and, and that's surprising because he is, he has so many, you know, so many guests he was catering to. It was not just me around, but the fact that he picked up that one uh, small part of our conversation where he, he learned that he, I, I really love food and I love desert and I love good, good food, having good food. Food is mood for me. So he, he just realized that. And every time, no matter which table he was sitting on, every time he looked at my table and he saw my first plate of desert is about to be complete, he would personally ask the staff to get me a second plate of desert. I may, may not have eaten it. I'm not going to disclose that. <laughs> but that gesture was very, very sweet. You know, to Cater to someone's personal interest. Keep that yeah. in mind while while they're around you. That is definitely a very very interesting factor about it. So I think Lawrence Dance is someone you know. Lawrence Dance is someone who has definitely definitely influenced me in terms of you know being as energetic no matter what age what uh, you know where you are what you're doing being as energetic and being as enthusiastic about what you do whatever you get into and uh, being personally involved in everyone you meet being uh, personalizing your response to them. I think that's, that's something of, I definitely give that to him. Yeah, it's a huge skill, isn't it? Um, just, just listening to you there, there's sort of two things that um, struck me. One, I don't think I've met an Indian person yet who doesn't love their food. <laughs> I don't think you will ever. Right. It's, it's very unlikely. <laughs> Yeah, and, and this is a terrible joke, but um, I thought it was a good choice of words that you said that him paying that attention was very sweet when you were discussing dessert. <laughs> okay, this is a terrible joke, but good, yeah. good, at, good at good timing, I would say. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. Much appreciated. Now, um, look, uh, just talking about your firm specifically because uh, – 
something that I discovered uh, in my research of of your firm is that um, you have been recently voted one of the best law firms to work for in India, which is a huge achievement. So tell us how that all took place. So this this was an independent investigation, you know, in, independent research basically conducted by one of the platforms. And uh, we, yes, we were voted one of the best law firms to work for in India in the year 2022. And we were also voted as, you know, as top 10 firms for work working in terms of female employees as well. So, you know, these two categories which are what we're really, really proud of because being client's favorite is an easy thing to do, in, in my opinion. It's an easy thing to do because you can always push your internal system and ensure they're delivered, they're catered to well because they're paying you. So that that comes out, uh, you know, as, as a general practice. But being your employee's favorite is is a task you have to ensure that you're doing the right things to your right employees because you know all the employees uh, all or all the professionals that we have are have have different are, are practicing very differently and you know uh, to be able to cater to each of their need and each of their uh, wants is something it's is a challenge but the fact that we've been able to do it the fact that they feel satisfied coming to the uh, you know, coming to the office every day, delivering their work every day, and feeling recognized by the law firm every day is something that we as an organization strive for. And I'm happy that we've achieved. In terms of female employees, I think everywhere in the country, uh, you know, around the globe, everyone's working to make sure that female employees are felt more safe, more comfortable, you know, are, are uh, allowed to grow equally. I think they're all struggling to be there at that right top notch level and to be there you know in this year is is a delight to us that you know the that the women employees of our firm women professionals of our firm know and feel that you know they are treated equally they are they have a growing opportunity they are comfortable they are safe that's i think that that's a cherry on our cake so i think absolutely it, it, it was an amazing, it was a delight. We were all very, very happy to receive this. So that award is done externally of your business? Yes, it's an independent uh, research. Wow. So. And is, is it um, based on the, um, like the size of the particular firm or is there multiple awards depending on the size? So uh, it's it's done in three categories. Uh, there is a small law firm which caters to around you know fifty professionals of employees on board, councils and board. Uh, then there is uh, something that does from fifty one to two fifty employees uh, or professionals on board, and then there are two fifty plus employees. So we were awarded this in the second category because we are the tier two uh, category of fifty one to two fifty uh, you know uh, employees there. So we we were awarded there. Wonderful achievement. I bet, uh, you know, all of the partners and employees were particularly chuffed to, to get such an amazing award. Oh, yes. Or awards. We <laughs> awards. We, we were definitely uh, recognised in various other categories as well. But I think these two are the categories that we we really, really take pride on. You know, you we wear it on our, on our uh, we wear this badge on our chest and walk around because this is something that's not easy to achieve and the fact that we have is is very very you know honoring to us and we are definitely uh you know to to celebrate this we are conducting few activities here and there so that the employees enjoy the fact because you know it's all it's all about the employees they they feel safe they feel recognized and therefore the law firm has been able to receive this award so i think or recognition so i think you know, the firms also try to give them back by doing conducting activities and doing fun activities with them. Yeah. What were the actual awards? Oh, so we were recognized in, you know, in a lot of uh, other areas as well. I can give yep. you the name. So we were we were recognized in the firm leadership as well. Yeah. So uh, we were recognized as one of the best firm leaderships wow. for the year 2022, so, which means of... Yep. The leaders leading the firm are yes. doing the right thing yeah, and leading which, it the right way. Which kind of makes sense with the other awards, doesn't it? It does, of course, yeah. because you would not have 
these the other two awards if your leaderships were not as strong and not as yeah. uh, you know motivated to read yeah. it the right way and did we they give also, you yeah sorry keep going so we were also awarded in in the category of satisfaction which is client satisfaction and employee satisfaction i'm presuming so uh, we were awarded in category of satisfaction as well rewards on the on the count of receiving rewards and recognitions which means the form is being recognized for its work mm. uh, you know uh, in in the country and women that's brilliant and what were the actual physical awards did you get a plate or a medal or uh, no so trophy this, given <laughs> given this was this was not like an award this was a recognition okay but uh, the fact that it was a recognition to this level i think we 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 are we are using the placard telling everyone you know what we're proud of being one of the best law firms to work for in india absolutely and it looks um, fantastic on your email signature as well <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> because well, i think i think we would also want our client to you know to understand and know this and we want to give out a message that you know we are made of our councils our employees are from for all levels and it's it's them who make us as a law firm it's it's not the you know it's not that one individual it's all of us as a team that makes us as a law firm and keeps us going so if you're delivering to any client even a specific email even that one email that goes to the client it's because a lot of people have put in their hard work and that's why that email is going which is why we decided we'll add it on our signatures to let them know that you know each email is a uh, hard work of everyone in the firm associated with the firm absolutely and i mean if you if you've ever dealt with a business where there's disharmony in the business it's a terrible uncomfortable feeling so the fact that the employees want to be there the leadership's doing a great job the law firm's being recognized you know by an external group um all of that augurs well for the fact that it's it's a good business to deal with and and that the people within the firm are happy as well right and to the listeners i would also want to you know point out i've been in this firm for 5 plus years and uh, you know it's it's always easy to move out you know get keep exploring get better get better but i am getting better at the same organization so i would not want to move out and that should be evidence enough to show that you know this firm is catering to what i need professionally to uh, you know to giving me a good work environment good workplace good uh, you know colleagues to also making me grow you know in terms of work and uh, you know clientele so i think that that should be proof enough that this is one of the best law firms to work for in india absolutely i mean it's easy to say that the grass is greener on the other side but you're absolutely right um often we forget to look from within to see just how good it is definitely Sanduja it has been great talking to you and getting to know you and learning a bit about you is there anything that you would finally like to say to shock people within your law firm <laughs> No I think that one shock should be good enough <laughs> for now <laughs> we'll do it slowly it's <laughs> do slowly yes uh, but I am I I would definitely like to tell my law firm that uh, you know you're doing a great job and I am really really proud to be part of this organization I am one of the you know the the younger youngest I would say uh, member to be promoted to a principal associate position and uh, I am I'm really proud that it's that age is not a number you know age is just a number to them it's it's nothing to do with your caliber and experience but you know they look at they look at how good you are at what you're doing irrespective of your age and let you own that position and that you know and the authority in the firm so i think that's what young mindsets need as of today we don't want us to be judged by our age but by our you know by our talent by our hard work by what we can get while we're working so i think that is what this law firm is doing the right thing and i am i'm really proud to be part of this organization and i am really proud to be part of law because you know law has made me meet so many new people so many new friends the the you know the the conferences that we have are are with such energy sense of enthusiasm such positive vibes that you do not you would not think twice 
if you get a second invitation and be like, you know, we're doing another conference here and you're already there booking your tickets rather than finding out what, what and who are coming in. So I think it's, it's a great place to be part of. Yeah, look, it's definitely the thing that I noticed. I attended the uh, Singapore conference a couple of years ago prior to COVID. And, you know, it'd be fair to say that you can turn up to a lot of sort of corporate type conferences and people are often there begrudgingly. Um, but the LAW crew, uh, all of the representatives, um, yeah, they're all so enthusiastic to catch up with each other. It's it's all, almost like, um, I don't want to make too strong a point of it, but it's almost like family catching up again after a while. It is. And, uh, you know, I was I was the new member to the band. I knew no one mm. but my colleague who I had gone with for to attend the conference. And when I was leaving, we were all hugging each other out. We were all, you know, sending each other an email saying, you know what, let's catch up sometimes when you're in this country or when you're in that country. So I think that shows how it transitions. Not once were we made to feel or, you know, not once were we left out in whatever conversations we were having. So I think that's the beauty. I completely agree. I reckon that is brilliant feedback for, you know, everybody in LAW and also the feedback from your law firm. I'm sure they'd be uh, pleased to hear that as well. That that definitely is coming as a shocker to them because we've never had a conversation about it. Oh, is that right? It's breaking news here today. <laughs> breaking news. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Sinduja. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you for having me. That was Sinduja Kashyap, the Principal Associate, Corporate Division uh, at King, Stubb and Kasiva, Advocates and Attorneys, one of the members of LAW. We'll catch you again next time on the LAW Podcast Series. You've been listening to the Lawyers Associated Worldwide Podcast Series with Peter Gowers the podcast where LAW members go one-on-one to discuss their professional and personal lives. More episodes coming soon.